good morning. It's good to be together. We're finishing up Joshua. We're setting up uh, to get ready for the Gospel of Luke uh, in the month of December. Uh, I want to wrap up Joshua for us. Uh, I wish I could say we're going to hang out in one passage and you guys can just, you know, rest right there. Uh, we're going to kind of be in Old and New Testament. We're going to be in Genesis. We're going to be in Joshua. We're going to be in Hebrews. We're going to be all over the place. It's more of a topical message this morning. I have good news for you, too. It's at the very least two sermons today. It's possibly three sermons today. I know that that delights you, uh, and you're excited. You're thinking it's going to go long. It should be short and sweet to the point, um, and I don't know how many points there are today either. Uh, So this is all things that they uh, teach you, you know, in preaching class to set up your congregation to listen well. Uh, But I want to tell two stories. And I think, uh, I think it will help us see something and prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so uh, the first story is a story that we are very familiar with. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph, uh, we, hear, we first hear of Joseph uh, in the book of Genesis. Je- uh, Genesis tells the story of really our beginnings and the very form- formation of God's people and the promise given to Abraham and then his descendants. Well, Joseph is a descendant of Abraham uh, Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob and Esau, Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those sons is Joseph. And Joseph is the firstborn of Rachel's children. And if you remember, Jacob really liked Rachel. She was the pretty one, and he got the ugly sister first, and it's this whole thing. And it's in the Bible. I'm not making that up. And, uh, so then uh, the firstborn of Rachel was Joseph, and Joseph you know, gives, gets uh, special blessings. And in Joseph's life, he, he gets the special blessing and special attention from his dad. And his brothers respond accordingly, like all brothers would. And, uh, you know, they ship their brother off to slavery. You know, you hear it a thousand times, you know. The, uh, so, so Joseph is uh, sold into slavery there. He, uh, in Egypt, he, uh, he is uh, in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, God blesses him. And God cares for him. And he's used in great and mighty ways. And then uh, from there, uh, there's an accusation made by Potiphar's wife. And he's arrested then and thrown in prison. Even in prison then, Joseph is blessed. And while you might think of your life like, man, my brothers hated me. I've been sold into slavery. Now I'm in prison. How could you say God is blessing me? Well, in all of those circumstances, wherever Joseph found himself, God cared for him and blessed him. Even in prison, he was of importance, and there were things put under his watch and his care. He was even blessed with interpreting dreams. And so there was, came a time uh, when, uh, when there was the baker and uh, the, uh, the baker and the cupbearer. There we go. I'm trying to go from memory here. And, you know, some people forget things too, Wendy. It's okay. Yeah, uh, she's going to hate me for that. So anyway, so uh, the cupbearer, and so they, he interprets dreams for, for them. And there comes a time then when they're restored, and, and Joseph interprets the dream for Pharaoh himself, and he predicts that there's going to be a famine in the land. And so Joseph uh, is put in charge of taking care of the plan for all of Egypt to navigate the famine in the land. So there were seven years of plenty, and then there were seven years of famine. And that famine in that moment positioned Egypt to grow and increase in power and influence. So God blesses, and he cares for Joseph. 
to the point where he even is then positioned in a, uh, he's in a spot blessed by God to welcome his family to him in Egypt. And Joseph, uh, Joseph's story ends in Egypt, but it sort of doesn't. Joseph's story ends with his family coming to him, and and, and the end of uh, the end of Genesis, Genesis fifty. Uh, Joseph says, "What you intended to harm me, what you intended to do to harm me or ill will towards me, God has used. God has flipped it around. God has blessed me, and He has put me in this position to bless you and care for you. What you intended for harm, God intended for good, and God has been using this, these circumstances." And so the way that Genesis 50 ends is that recognition, that sort of blessing, but then he also says to his siblings, he says to his family, and he, and he makes this oath, he makes this commitment that when the day comes, when the Israelites, when God's people finally leave Egypt, Egypt is not to be their home, when they will finally get out of Egypt, bring my bones with you and bury me there in Shechem. And so it's this forward thinking that Joseph is saying, it's, this is not our home. We are not to stay in Egypt forever. There will come a time. And a lot of time passes. A lot of time. Uh, to the point of over 400 years pass before this moment will actually arrive. And as we've been reading through uh, the book of Joshua, at the very end of Joshua, Joseph shows up in the book of Joshua. And it happens at the very end. It's in Joshua chapter 24. And it's uh, in verse 29 we will pick up. After these things. So what we read and studied and shared with one another last week was as servants of God, we're going to serve the Lord and give our hearts fully and completely to God. We looked at all of uh, most of Joshua 24, and Joshua is the famous proclamation, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well then, after all of that, after that declaration, there's just kind of a recap of finishing things up in the, in the book of Joshua and getting the people finally sort of settled into uh, the land, uh, into the promised land. In Joshua 24, 29, after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, uh, north of Mount Gaash. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. So this story, this thing that happened way back in the book of Genesis, 400 years plus prior to that, Joseph sort of finds this completion. It sort of bookends Genesis all the way to Joshua and saying, here the Israelites listened and obeyed. They trusted in God. They did what was asked of Joseph for him, and they planted him there. Uh, They buried him in the land of Canaan, in the land of Shechem. And so God, uh, God is 
uh, faithful throughout Joseph's life. There have been up and ups and downs and so many trials, but there is really no doubt that God's blessing was over Joseph. I have a, a question for us to think about today, and that is, who gets God's grace? And who deserves God's grace? When we look at the life of Joseph, it seems very apparent that he's blessed and set apart, and he's he's faces incredible trials and circumstances, but he is a part of Abraham's family. He has Abraham, uh, he's a part of that blessing, and God is working miraculously in his life to bring him to this point. I'd like to tell my second story. This is Sermon 2, okay? Sermon 2 is about someone kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. From Joseph, there's, there's someone else, and we need to go to Joshua chapter 2 for this particular story. In Joshua chapter 2, we are at the beginning stages of the conquest of the land of Canaan. We're back to the beginning where they're still ready to kind of go in and take over the land. They're still on the other side of the Jordan, and we've spent some time in the book this uh, this month, and hopefully some of these things are connecting and, and they're making a little sense. But let's look in Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. Uh, Is it roof or roof? I forget. Depends on where you're from, I hear. All right, I, I, yeah, we could deliberate all day. Let's stay focused, Jordan, come on. So the men set out and pursued the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did in uh, did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. And I want you to hear this this morning. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. 
Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. I want you to pay particular attention to Rahab's story of where she began and where she ends up. She begins, uh, if, if we have Joseph as kind of like uh, the patriarch of faith, of Abraham's family, we have him set up as the one that's like, he's blessed by God, he's in God's family, and even in bad circumstances, things work out. I think if you look at Rahab's life, it's pretty much on the opposite end of the spectrum, isn't it? She's not a part of God's family. She knows really probably nothing of Abraham. And she is, uh, she is a Gentile, she's a Canaanite, she's a prostitute, she has lived a story that's probably uh, a vastly different than that of Joseph's. Yet what I want you to see is, is that they both have a place in the family of God. What I want you to see is, is that she is commended then for her act of faith. She hears of who God is and what he's done. And she says, we all melted with fear and reverence of who this God is. But she's, she alone is the one who responded accordingly and said, yours God is the God of the heavens and the earth. Your God is the only God. She puts her faith in the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the God of Joseph. She says, there's no other God like this one. I'm going to live in reverent fear of this God. And so she hides the spies and she cares for them and she makes this little promise, this agreement. Hey, I've shown you kindness. Would you show me kindness later when you guys come in? And we didn't get into the battle of Jericho, but sure enough, when that finally does happen and God topples the walls, they do honor their commitment and they honor and they care for Rahab. We have kind of two different stories, two different people from very different ends of the spectrum. One who has lived in the knowledge and the blessing of knowing that God is with them in every, each and every circumstance, that God is with them and blessed them and cared for them. And he can look at those circumstances and say, you know what, what you intended for harm for me, I know that God has been good to me and God has used this for his glory and his honor. And then there's a person who has looked at the trials and struggles of life and brokenness and suffering and she's been on the other end of the spectrum and she may not have known anything about who God is or was or what he was capable of but when she sees the act of God and she sees God working mysteriously and miraculously in the lives of the Israelites she bows down in reverent fear of saying there's no God but this God there's no God like the God of Israel he is the Lord of heaven and earth and this is how God works in miraculous and mysterious ways. Did you know that Rahab is mentioned more in the New Testament than Joshua? And here's where she's mentioned. She's mentioned in the Hebrews Preachers Hall of Fame list. If you turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, we don't know who preached it. And towards the end of the book, he starts wrapping things up. And he starts proclaiming, here's those of exemplary faith. He talks about Abraham. And he talks about Moses. And he brings up our friend Joseph. He said, by faith, and 
Hebrews 11.22, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. He starts this sort of sermon. By the way, this is sermon number three, if you're counting. Now faith, thinking about it, we might have four sermons today. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And here's Joseph who's in Egypt and he's set to be buried and he says to his family, this is not where I'm to be. Faith is not always seeing, but it's, it's hoping. It's this, this hope that there's something better for God's people. He looks and he says to them, when you leave Egypt, there's a day where you're going to depart. Would you bury my bones with my family? Take me to the land God promised. If you scroll down from 22 and you jump down uh, to verse 30, now, we can do it 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to, uh, tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Because she had faith in something that she didn't see. She only, she only heard about it, but she knew the power and the might of God. And she, in reverent fear, says there's no God but the God of Israel. By faith, she welcomed the spies. And her faith would be commended. But that's not the only place that we find Rahab. We find Rahab tucked away in that passage that you like to skip over because the words are funny and there's a lot of them. It's in Matthew chapter 1. And we find in Matthew chapter 1 the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. There we go. We got it. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. And who was Boaz's mother? His mother was Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of King David. Who gets God's grace? You know, Joseph, I think if we were to rewrite the story, we could say Joseph grew up in church. And he would have some hard circumstances, but he came out of it every time really pretty good. His job was great, his family was great, and things worked out really well for him. And Rahab, she never, she never stepped foot in church. She probably didn't feel like she ever really belonged. And she would come in and there were judgmental eyes and there would be whispers about her and say, we know what she does and what she's done. Joseph's dad was the preacher. 
And he knew all of the stories and all of the scriptures, and he never missed a day. You could count on his hand one time, or one hand, how many times he had missed church in his life. He was blessed, and he had no doubts about his belonging in the family of God. Well, Rahab, she felt like she really had no place. I don't know where you're at on the spectrum of that story. And maybe you're somewhere in between. But here's the question. Who gets God's grace? Who deserves God's grace? And when we contrast the stories, we realize that God's grace, yes, God's grace is for everyone. And it's for you. And this person that you would think has no business being in the family line of David, and take it even further, the family line of the Son of God. Here's Rahab, the prostitute, who was far outside of the will of God and outside of the family of God, is now brought in through believing and knowing that this God of Israel is the Lord of heaven and the Lord over the earth. Her story changed by faith and God. And your story changes when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you have a place in His family and you belong. I don't know what your story is, if it's way over here and you identify more like what Rahab's story is or Maybe you identify and connect more with Joseph's story and everywhere in between. is a story of God's grace meeting you here and you are invited to know that there is no other God like the God, Jesus Christ, who lays down his life for you and welcomes you into his family. That can be your story. And so I want to conclude with my last and final sermon of this mini-sermon, and it's going back to the Hebrews preacher. What do you do? What do you do with faith? You say, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Him today, that there's no other God like Him. I, I have made that decision. Well, here's my encouragement to you today. Hopefully it's practical. Hopefully it's helpful for this season as we approach Christmas. And here it is. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. My encouragement today is to fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, we, uh, we know that that's what we're supposed to do in the Christmas season, and uh, somehow I think we forget that. Let us throw off the things that have entangled us. Let's, let us start doing the heart work of exploring, like we looked at last week, of what are the idols and what are the sins and what are the things that are distracting me from 
serving the Lord wholly and completely. What are, what are the things that are in the way? Let's throw off the things that have so easily entangled our, our running with Christ and persevering with him. Let us fix our eyes on Christ, who's seated at the right hand of God. Let us remember what Christmas really is all about. And so my encouragement to you in my last part of my five-part sermon is to say, let us fix our hearts and our minds on Christ knowing that today, wherever our story is, that you can have faith in him today and be a part of the family of God. Keep looking to Christ. He loves you and he laid his life down for you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Help us to fix our eyes on you, the author of our story, the perfecter of our story. God, that you write, you rewrite stories today. You wrote Rahab's story. She was not lost and abandoned. She was loved and she belongs to you. And her story is found, God, not tucked away in the story of despair, but of renewal, of hope, of salvation, of one who belongs in the family line of Jesus Christ. God, we belong to that family line. Thank you for your redemption, your love, and your grace. God, thank you that the answer to who gets God's grace is everyone. And so may we respond to your offering of love and mercy and kindness. May today be a day, Lord, that we set aside those things that have tripped us up and are running with you. God, explore our hearts. Point to our hearts today of our brokenness, of the things that have gotten in the way of our relationship with you. God, would you speak to us today? Open our hearts to you. Let us fix our eyes on you. May we run with perseverance and know today that you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful and good. May we stand firm and trust in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand in response with us?